This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours and tough luck to Roz, who fell at the final hurdle on Ireland's Easiest Quiz. I always enjoy Ireland's Easiest Quiz with Brian. I think it's the one time on KCLR when his inner Dancing with the Stars judge side comes out. Thanks to him, he'll be back tomorrow evening with you on Sounds Like Sunday. At last on the COVID front, there's optimism in the air for the first time since the outbreak of the pandemic over 15 months ago. It seems that things are beginning to align positively and we can look forward with cautious optimism. And on the programme this morning, we'll be trying to tease out what all this means for business. The government, of course, yesterday announced a wide-ranging relaxation of COVID restrictions. It's something of crucial importance for one of the biggest business sectors across Kilkenny and Carlow, that's tourism and hospitality. And I'll be talking to the leaders of two of the biggest business representative groups in the area later about the good, the bad and what still remains to be done for tourism and hospitality. We'll be talking to a husband and wife team who used the COVID lockdown as an opportunity to take a giant leap forward for their business with the establishment of Hawkeye School of Falconry in Kilkenny. I had a really memorable visit there during the week and I'll be bringing you that later. And I'll be talking to an angel investor. If you've got a business idea and you're looking for investment, you'll be interested to hear his perspective. But we'll start with the programme, as we do every week, by talking about some of the biggest stories of the last week and teasing out what they might mean for business. Joining me on the line is former editor-in-chief of News Talk and managing director of Heart Media, a company that works with businesses large organisations and a range of media companies. Good morning, Garrett Hart. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. Um, there were noticeable smiles on the faces yesterday of uh, the Taoiseach, the Taunished and the various ministers. A, a feeling that we are turning a bit of a corner. Good news for business. I think so. Look, it, 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 uh, it was a well-leaked uh, uh, speech, as we know, uh, but uh, I think the, the Taoiseach delivered it uh, very well. It was brief. It was information-led. And there was little of the, as was the previous needs to include Shimasini or, or Yates to, to lift the mood. I think there is an air of positivity and it's easier to commute communicate uh, positive and encouraging news, John. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's almost when you hear Seamus Heaney or Yates or somebody being quoted, you better look out because there's lockdowns coming. Yeah, look, I think it, it does feel like we are at the end of what has been probably the most difficult period for business and wider society over the past 14, 15 months. You know, you know secondary schools, bar exam, uh years finished up yesterday and we, we know how difficult it has been for teenagers with mental health and disruption to education uh, but it does feel like we're entering into a period of, of restart and renewal and you know, the government's communication strategy has changed uh, significantly uh, because it was extremely poor in the first three months of the year they you know they went to ground uh, and arguably that was the most difficult period for everyone they strategically moved out of the trenches and began to lead the narrative rather than being on the back foot. And, and I think that uh, 
has paid uh, dividends and will pay dividends in terms of the the public's view on, on how the government have managed this uh, period uh, we're in currently and, and into the next period. Uh, but we, we, I'd also say, John, we, look, we have a bit to go, um, but the level of detail in the announcement yesterday uh, and the lifting of restrictions is, is clearly faster and, and broader than we, we had uh, even expected a few weeks ago. And there was one notable stat that, that I took out of Michael Martin's speech yesterday that almost 100% of over 70s have now been fully vaccinated, which is an amazing uh, number. And particularly when we reflect on uh, how difficult it is in the UK at the moment, because they have certain uh, ethnic uh, uh, sections of the community where they're, they're, uh, the older members of those communities are, are not buying into the vaccine. So the, the, the Irish uh, citizens have really bought into the vaccine and, and hopefully we'll consider you see that help the reopening plans. Yeah, and it really shows, if ever anything shows, the power of communications. The whole pandemic uh, shows that as well, because it is a very, you know, uh, tangible thing, the virus, but the role of communications and good communications in the national mood, in compliance and so on, you know, it's been good for getting compliance, but the mood has at times been terrible because of bad communications. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I I think the um, the government uh, and certainly uh, the the senior minister, I think, have have learned on the job. And maybe people might say, well, look, that's what they're paid to do. But you know, there's there's um, there's no real book or, or or textbook to tell you how to uh, run uh, a calm strategy in a pandemic. Uh, so it was very much of of really being on the hoof at times. But you do have to be strategic. You do have to set out the bigger picture. Uh, you do have to set out uh, a mood as well that we're, you know, we are in this together. And, and I, I, I would, I probably would have an issue in one sense, John, with, with, with say how the government and the senior advisors have used the parliamentary party meetings, particularly mm. uh, of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, to leak uh, out. Uh, the various announcements and while you know from a comms point of view uh, they may argue that look we're getting the the news out and uh, we're, we're we're now uh, communicating uh, on social media uh, some of the detail and we're, we're teasing it out I think if 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 you're looking at that for a uh, a, a massive uh, development plan it's got a 10-year uh, window and you want to get some views in from the public, but but really they, they've become de facto press briefings, uh, and they seem to be a feature now uh, of those two parties, uh, and while it does create an opportunity for speculation, uh, it does create an opportunity for conjecture, yeah. and it takes hold on social media, and really uh, what it does, John, is it creates disinformation, misinformation, and ultimately, it creates uncertainty for for the sectors that it's uh, most uh, uh, challenged at the moment. Yeah, and, and funnily enough, when Leo Varadkar was on this program two weeks ago, we were asking for you know detail that businesses could plan with, and he said, "Well, I can't give it to you." But at, then again, at the same time, his parliamentary party leaks like a sieve. Yeah, and and it's it's you know it it, it's a, it helps the journalists. 
journalists are, are getting information uh, straight away from a parliamentary party meeting and, and are posting it on Twitter and posting it on, on social media. Uh, but I do think there, there, there sometimes is a need to respect the, the, uh, the sectors that this information is about and communicating officially is, is a better way. And, and, and what it probably takes into uh, another area, John, is, is the bigger picture of recovery. Mm. Uh, and I, I know that uh, today is about uh, you know, fantastic optimism and the positivity around reopening. We, uh, and we can, we can see that and, and, uh, and I feel that at the moment in, in businesses that I'm working with and I'm sure you're feeling it with, with businesses in, in Carlin Kilkenny. The next piece is what is the recovery plan? Yeah, and we'd be talking what later is, with the with the local chambers and and Kilkenny Tourism about that. Yeah, and it's it's uh, I, I you know I, I met a taxi driver last uh, week, uh, and I just as you do ask him how business is, and he said, "Well, I'll tell you how business has been. I, I, I myself, and my wife spent a year on the, the PUP with two children at at university in Dublin." And we've had to use all our savings to keep them uh, in education. So it's here's tough a guy that. who, yeah, and, and he he and his wife will want to know, you know how how does uh, the next two to three years look for yeah. for and and uh, I know um, one piece is uh, this morning is is Joe Biden proposing a six trillion U.S. budget package, yeah, of recovery, uh, which really. Uh, opens up the whole debate around the recovery plan for Europe and uh, the amount of money that uh, Biden is proposing here is jaw-dropping. Yeah, Uh, he's looking uh, at kind of reshaping America, kind of using the the whole reboot of of the pandemic to to see how they're going to shape society into the future. That's very good for business in terms of that amount of money going into the uh, economy. Do we have something similar yeah. here, or is there talk of something similar, or do you think we need something similar? Well, a, a couple of points on it. The, the, you're, you're correct. The, the, the level of, of spending that Biden's proposing is, is the highest since the Second World War. So you're into that period of, of the Marshall Plan, and you're into that period of long-term investment uh, at, at low interest rates uh, at the moment, and that there's what he calls a generational investment here. Uh, and that it is in areas like education, transportation, affordable childcare, uh, and climate change. So those are key points that that Biden is is using this fund for. Here, there is a cabinet meeting next week to discuss the national recovery plan. And you know, Tanisha has signaled, as you know, that the support such as the PUP and the the CRSS will continue. I think businesses need that. Uh, certainly need it until next year. Uh, and what we're also expected here next week from Michael McGrath, the Minister of Public Expenditure, is, is how the 900 million uh, EU recovery fund will be used. And that is the, I suppose, the social sol- solidarity and social cohesion piece, John. Mm. And the, the government have a, you know, a, 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 an opportunity here to outline the medium term 
recovery plan for, for the country. Yeah, now, uh, those two things, better communication and communicating with the people and having a long-term plan, those two clearly top of the agenda for you. But another very important um, issue, and we've discussed it before on the programme uh, together, is the whole issue of social media. And interesting kind of week, um, Andrew McGinley is a man who tragically lost uh, three of his children um in a horrific incident, not not too far from from this area up in uh, in Ratcool, I believe it was. Um, he was on with Emery Vrainon during the week, but he's actually been forced off social media because of the hateful nature of many of the interactions. Um, you know, big issues still on that and the whole Dominic Cummings thing, the BBC, a functioning media and media is our business, um, you know, very important, but still creaking at the seams as we come out of the pandemic. Yeah, and I think uh, this is the, the uh, I would uh, almost argue this is as big a challenge for governments across the globe as, uh, as has been on their agenda for a long time. And, you know, you pick out examples there, uh, really, really tough examples of how social media has, has, has created this, uh, this troll environment where uh, people are, are being forced off it because of abuse. Uh, and that there's no checks and balances, and, and that that for uh, for both of us who have worked in media, uh, that's a really disturbing piece. Uh, uh, and when you have um, uh, companies like uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, who are not regulated, uh, then those platforms can become platforms for uh, uh, you know disinformation around whether it's COVID vaccinations, whether it's uh, around. Uh, issues around social factors in, in various countries or, or political agendas, and when you bring it all back to to uh, Ireland and bring it back to local media, the protection of local media uh, in Ireland uh, is one that uh, certainly the government need to be uh, making. I would say radical uh, uh, proposals, and what I mean by that, John, is. You know, if, if if we don't have the ability to protect our local media uh, and local journalism and ensure that, that local journalism uh, is properly funded, then that will impact on local democracy. That will Absolutely. And, and that's the core. That's the core nub here. Well, look, Gareth, pleasure talking to you as always. Uh, that's uh, Gareth Hart, Managing Director of Hart Media. Good morning, Gareth. Thanks, John. OK, that's uh, Gareth Hart, as I mentioned there. Now, coming up, we'll be discussing uh, the nitty-gritty of reopening for the hospitality and tourist industry. KCLR. Local at hers. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell. It's just after 24 and a half minutes after nine o'clock now. Uh, I was speaking with Gareth Hart there about the uh, reopening plan announced yesterday by the Taoiseach and the Taunashta. And uh, as I said, hugely important for the tourism and hospitality industry in this area. Joining me on the line are two people with the keen interest in this subject. Kieran Conroy, who is the chairman of Kilkenny Tourism and Colin Duggan, who is the president of Carlot Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, John. Uh, Good morning, John. Uh, Colin, can I start with you? Um, pretty upbeat mood and good news for the tourism and hospitality uh, business. We'll discuss the longer term future uh, and so on, but, but by and large, I'm sure your members are welcoming this. 
Yeah, like all our members are, are, are excited about uh, the reopening. And now we've got clarity towards uh, the end of the end of the summer as well. So it's great. You mentioned communication earlier on uh, and, and the, the government is starting to get that together now with better communication. Uh, our, our members spend a lot of time uh, in in enclosure. Like some pubs have not been open since last March, and so it's a long time for any business to to, to be closed. And also the continuity of keeping uh, the, the connection uh, to to their team members. Yeah. that's been a, been a struggle for a lot of our, our, our businesses. Kirana, um, how how are people in Kilkenny tourism treating uh, the next couple of weeks, and how, how do they feel about the announcements? Yeah, similar to um, uh, what Colin has said there is it's great to have clarity at, at long last and I think the really great thing is that there's a definitive roadmap um, for the for the summer so there's, there's certainly optimism in the air and also plenty of caution because there's a there is a road to recovery here especially over the next uh, 15, 15 months I would say or 18, 18 months and I think we need a, a strategic plan beyond that as well for the for the country as a whole. Yeah, and um, some figures that I saw during the week, the southeast June doing pretty well in terms of forward bookings. How are you feeling about the, the coming summer, Kieran? Well, yeah, again, I would say we're cautiously optimistic. Like we're, we're tied in to um, a lot of the, uh, the bookings and the booking engines and the southeast and Kilkenny in particular is doing particularly well. I'm pleased to see that Kilkenny at the moment is ahead of Killarney in, in bookings for the for the summer. So that's that is great. We've been working extremely hard in Kilkenny uh, in in advance, and this was probably the difficult. Like if we take back to January, February, particularly particularly those times, it was it was very dark as well. It'd been dark outside. It was almost dark inside when um, when we were locked down again. So we were working uh, very hard. We had our um, more to explore campaign, and I think that's paying dividends. Uh, Colin. Uh Carlo, also a very popular destination, usually for short breaks and so on, but a lot of work been done to get people to stay there longer. How are you looking ahead uh, as, a, as a business organisation in Carlo Chamber to the, to the summer months? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be quite positive in, in, in the southeast and in Carlo. Um, our, our business has spent a lot of money getting ready to, uh, for opening, like our cafes, restaurants, bars and hotels have built some fantastic outdoor spaces, looking at their menus, looking at, at, looking at local sources, uh, sources uh, for, for uh, their, their menus, and also preparing their, their teams, getting them ready uh, for the for the onslaught of the summer, and I, I think that it's so exciting now that we that, that we we see only in, in a week's time our hotels will open, uh, and then a, f- a short time after our, our bars, and people are looking for that reconnection, looking to explore those bars and restaurants on those menus and 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 to see their their friends and family again. I, I think it, 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 it's going to be a really good summer for everyone in, in, involved in hospitality. How's the um, staffing issue? We're hearing anecdotally that it, it's a bit of a struggle with businesses um, closed for so long. Many staff yeah. are moving on. Kieran, do you want to take that one? Yes, I, I think um, it, it depends on the individual um, business, but overall, I think, with the, the amount of time that we have all been locked down, that people have been reflecting and included in that reflection, obviously, is the tourism industry. So 
there have been challenges um, and there, there may be more challenges ahead. It's going to be really, really important that, you know, when we get back and we get over this summer season, as Colin's mentioning, that the supports that are there, the wages support, the PUP, the CRSS continue and just don't drop off the edge of a cliff. Yeah, the whole thing about dining and outdoor dining, indoor dining, uh, timings of all that sort of stuff. How are you feeling about that, Colin, and, and your members? Do you think that we've arrived at a sensible destination ultimately? Yeah, I think we have, but but uh, I, I would say that's going to change over the summer anyway. I think we, we as, as we, we come out of the summer, I would expect us to get back where we were. Uh, where we were, uh, bars were closing around uh, 12.30 like, and nightclubs so hopefully would be open later in, in the year. So I think the reality is that it, 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 as we see the openings, we'll see those things change. But I think to begin with, it's a good start. Just opening is, is the key at this point. Yeah, Kieran, it's a very important part of the experience of visiting someplace, being able to have a nice meal. How are you feeling about the, uh, you know, the arrangements as they're outlined? Well, again, I suppose we're we're never ever really hundred percent happy. We'd like even that the the indoor dining um, was coming in a little bit earlier, and I know with pubs and restaurants um, uh, in Kilkenny and across the country that even the difference between. July the 5th and maybe even July the 1st is um, significant um, enough. Um, having said that, I suppose we all have a duty of care for public health of the, of, the, of the nation. So it is good that it's happening and it's also good that we can see beyond June, even though there's still terms and conditions applying. Yeah, and, and it's encouraging to see that uh, indoor events with... with um, numbers of people that we couldn't have dreamed of uh, coming up as well in the coming months, you know, where it, it's um, you know, possible to see, I'm, I'm looking at my lists indoor events, maximum of 50 attendees, that's by the 5th of July but coming up later in the summer uh, and into the autumn, that's going to improve good for wedding businesses and so on Yeah, that's, that's very significant. significant that's very significant and um, as Colin's mentioned there, I think that is wonderful that we can just see beyond um, just uh, June, that into July and August. And, you know, obviously the the return or the imminent return of, of international travel is uh, uh, significant. Um, uh, international visitors contribute 7 billion of the 9 billion created by, by tourism uh, here, the digital COVID certificate and um, is, is certainly also very um, significant and, and it's also just good in the in the background to see that, you know, the vaccinations and the record vaccinations that are that are happening so, Colin, um, for optimism Yeah, Colin, um, you're running the Dolman Hotel you're also president of Carlo uh, Chamber, you know, the return of large events, great to see Carlo Business Awards, for example, you know, you can yeah. start to tentatively think that, like, maybe we can have some sort of an event. Yeah, absolutely. I, to, to give give the example of, of uh, the, the Carlo Business Awards, say two or three weeks ago, I wouldn't have dreamed of uh, a, the opportunity to have an event over a hundred people, um, and that looks like a reality once we, once we get into September, October. I think we, the, the numbers could even uh, at that point because. Uh, Let's face it. We're seeing some 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 really positive results uh, with with the vaccine rollout. Yes, it has has, has stuttered uh, at, at times, but now we're we're seeing the benefits. 
our hospitalisation is, is dropped, um, death rate is dropped, and now we see the, 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 the government allowing it, it, itself not to be as conservative as it has been. It's important to remember, though, that um, despite the loosening of restrictions, the improvements of moods, because of the necessity of keeping people safe, capacities have to drop. Um, the, mm. the sector is going to need support into the, into the long term, Karen. Yes, um, as I previously mentioned, that that's really, really, that's really, really important. And for everybody and all of your listeners today, it's just been a very, very challenging, really, really challenging time. And I'd say for 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 a lot of people that you know, unfortunately, were you know out of out of work, they were lucky, and we're grateful to our our, our government with the wages support. But that wages support needs to continue for for a period of time we realize it can't continue for forever but yeah. particularly the PUP and the CRSS that's really really important that that doesn't just drop off the edge of a cliff Colin uh, finally to you yes. um you know some long term positives that we can look forward to if you can be brief um long term i i think we 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 all know at this point this is the the beginning of the end of, of uh, our, our restrictions and it's it's time for for our businesses to to look more positively and now to look more strictly to the future i i just want to come back to your your last point with regard to um uh, the the uh, the additional funding that the government might might uh, continue with briefly the if other, you will come should also be uh, to consider the tax warehousing, which will fall due from September. And the government needs to look at that now um, and, and maybe push that out a little, little further. Okay, thanks. Um, uh, to, Colin, we have... Positivity there. Yeah, Colin, we have to leave it there. Uh, thanks to Colin Duggan, uh, who's General Manager of Woodford Dolman and President of County Carlow Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and Kieran Conroy, Chief Executive of Kilkenny Civic Trust and Chair of Kilkenny Tourism. Thank you both very much indeed, gentlemen. Thanks again, John. Thank, Thank you. you. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie you're listening to the bottom line the program for and about business and very important that we support local businesses and so just time to tell you about the shop local shop safely tour which we're delighted to be doing with carlo and kilkenny local enterprise offices kicked off yesterday emily vrainon and john Kane live from kilkenny city center uh, for the shop safely shop local tour and next friday they will be at the potato market in carlo from 10 o'clock stay tuned to casey law and you'll hear all the details now we've covered all sorts of startup businesses on this program the length and breadth of kilkenny over the months but this week marked a first for me when for the first time i visited a falconry school where i got to experience and see and i suppose meet falcons hawks and eagles and i had a really interesting time including the chance to fly a hawk if that's the right expression the business in question is called Hawkeye School of Falconry and is located in a purpose-built building on the grounds of the Lyrath Estate. I met husband and wife team John and Caroline Duggan and after I'd seen all the beautiful birds and had to fly the hawk, had a chance to fly the hawk, uh, I didn't have to fly it but I got a chance thanks to uh, John and Caroline and you can check it out on Casey Laura's Instagram page if you wish. I sat down to talk to them both and I started by asking John how their somewhat unusual business came about. Um, well, I suppose it was always a childhood dream of mine um, to fly birds of prey. 
um, initially just to fly him, enjoy him. And then the more I learned about falconry uh, and realised it was all about hunting, uh, it dragged me in even more. Um, so I got my first bird when I was 13. And then I suppose after a, an illness, um, I decided that uh, I no longer wanted to do uh, run-of-the-mill work. And um, I started a falconry business, which started out as pest control and then evolved into what we have here today, which is the Hawkeye School of Falconry on the, the beautiful Lyrath Estate. And Caroline, you're married to John. You're involved with him as partner in the business. Were you always interested in birds of prey and birds as well? Um, I've always had a huge interest in animals in general, um, and I suppose John's passion spilled over to me throughout the years. We're together quite a long time now, so it was inevitable that um, I was going to be influenced by his huge passion for falconry. And I suppose if falconry is in you at all, it can quickly go from a, a hobby to an obsession. And here we are now, it's a, a lifestyle for, for both of us. And John, how long have you been in business making your living from falconry? Um, we started the business in 2014. Um, like I said to you, I came out of a, a serious illness. You had cancer? That's right, yeah. yeah. I had a testicular cancer, cancer and I went through chemo for the uh, best part of a year. Um, and um, yeah, so it, it just kind of, it, it came from that really that, you know, it was going to start. So we started in 2014. And then evolved, and it was always a dream of mine to, to have a falconry school. And I suppose with the school, it, it gives me the opportunity to look after the birds better, to get a better selection of birds, to be able to offer better experiences, and to be able to mentor people better um, so that they can also become falconers if, if so wished. I can imagine there was a huge gap in the market for falconry schools. There wouldn't be too many of them around in the country. But like establishing it as a business and getting the business up and running must have been very challenging. Yeah, it's. I suppose it is so different that at the start, I mean, we deliver wedding rings using Birds of Prey. Um, we've, we've, we've delivered uh, engagement rings during proposals. We've been there when, when the, the guy, as the saying goes, bent the knee and, and got down and proposed. And we haven't yet seen a, a refusal, thank God. But uh, I don't know how she could refuse when an owl comes in with her engagement ring. Um, so we just, we, we hit every angle we possibly could. Um, and then um, we kind of started focusing more so on the private experiences where we taught people and let them fly our birds of prey. And that's the one we love to do. Caroline, until I came to your beautiful new uh, falconry school here in the grounds of Loirat, I was largely ignorant of the personalities, the adaptability and so on of these amazing birds. John hinted there about, you know, how you can involve them in in marriage proposals. You, you know, if a group comes to you, you can kind of match the experience to them. Uh, Tell us a bit about that. So each and every one of the birds of prey we have has their own personality. They all have their own strengths and weaknesses, their own likes and dislikes. So depending if we have the likes of a, a stag do we'll, we'll probably pick one of the more boisterous um, like Egbert maybe would be the, the hawk that we would use for that um, with children we'll use some of the smaller more timid hawks um, and then for the more adventurous adults we'll use the larger females you know or probably move on to the bigger elite species like the, the Chilean blue eagle that we have here on, at the school John, tell us about the actual school. This time last year, it was just a a, a dream. Um, And and COVID 
brought the dream about and another step forward in the establishment of of this fantastic business tell us about the location that you've got here and how you put it together yeah i suppose john it really is still hard to believe what's actually happened in in the last five um six months um i i look around the place and i just go how in god's name did we do this in five months um, it all started before COVID hit in February when I, I, I came to Lyrat with an idea um, of a falconry school and, and uh, Niall above, the, the general manager, he loved the idea um, and put it to the owner Xavier and he loved it. So they gave us the go ahead and they said, look, fire away, your land is there and we picked the plot here and what have you and they've been very good to us. Um, and then, of course, COVID turned up, um, so all work ceased and everything stopped. We were doing, doing experiences or anything. So uh, last June, um, we got the lift off our first restrictions and we came back to work. So before that, we had done up the reception area here. So uh, Xavier, the owner, was kind enough to give us this area behind us um, to use. And we had this little area here as well. So um, we worked away then last year and we got till December out of it. And then uh, January, as we all know, lockdown number two came. And uh, little did we know it was going to be so long. So in December, we kind of got wind that we were going to be locked down. So we started digging the foundation here mid-December. We poured concrete here end of December. And uh, from January on, myself and Caroline got stuck in here and uh, single-handedly built this school, just the two of us. Yeah, you, it's a it's a real labour of love. And Caroline, tell us, uh, was John much help to you um, <laughs> doing the carpentry and stuff? Ah, oh, sure, he did a little bit here and there. <laughs> um, no, do you know what? We 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 worked really hard in the cold weather, and we just knuckled down and we we got on with it. And we work as a good team. Um, I was more or less as kind of apprentice, and we did all the carpentry and painting. My dad was involved helping out with the painting a bit as well, and. We filled wheelbarrows with pebble and wheelbarrowed it in and, you know, it was just, it was, it was hard labour, but we knew the reward was going to be um, just fantastic at the end of it. So we're delighted to be finished and ready now to, to open to the public. Well, it's a credit to you. John, tell us about the kind of uh, experiences that you're offering to people because it's not just come out and one size fits all. You've got a range of different things. Yeah, that's that's right. And and it's brilliant because uh, we couldn't do this um, up to now um, because uh, dependent, you need the proper area to fly uh, certain types of birds. And here at the Lyrat, it's so private and you don't have a golf course here, which was a big plus for us. Um, we've got 170 acres of just complete peaceful uh, land here. Um, so what we do is we've got our first experience is a private hawk walk. Um, it's, a, it's a private experience. Um, you learn how to fly one of our Harris hawks. Um, we go for a walk on the estate while the bird follows us. And we finish it up with an owl encounter and it's an hour long. The second one we do then is a private falconry experience. So it's everything I just explained, as in the hawk walk. Um, but we add in um, the flying of a falcon to a lure, which is a demonstration of speed and agility, from which is one of the fastest moving creatures on planet Earth. We also set up a GPS system on that falcon on the day, so when the guest has finished the experience, we can check what height the bird went to, and we can check his fastest speed, sometimes hitting around 90, 100 miles an hour. And people love to get photos of all this stuff as well yeah. and I and I saw myself I had a great experience mm. of, of um, letting a, a hawk loose and him landing on my uh, hand but they're very 
photogenic and yeah. you're pleased to work with people in the age of Instagram and all that kind of stuff. We, we love it. We actually encourage it. Um, the phones are so good these days. We expect the guests to leave here with slow motion videos, real time videos, burst shots, um, and, and so on and so on. And we, we've quite kind of slightly become photographers in our own right um, because we set this up at the start so they can get their photos and get their videos and get everything done while they're learning how to handle the hawk and then they can just enjoy their walk on the grounds um, and leave the phones in the pockets if they like at the heart of it all KCLR lovely to talk to John and Caroline Duggan there from Hawkeye School of Falconry now you're listening to KCLR and this is the bottom line the programme for and about business and from the Hawkeye School of Falconry we're going to the topic of angel investing the Halo Business Angel Network will be hosting an online angel investing Southeast showcase webinar next Thursday afternoon the 3rd of June from 12 to 1pm the event is for investors and people becoming or considering becoming investors in the southeast region with me on the line is a man who is an entrepreneur and investor who's involved in the halo business angel network it's michael hoyne good morning michael morning john how are you uh you're you're well known in this area for your success uh with a number of business ventures uh, including maryland which uh you sold in 2017 to norcross uh plc but you've been busy since uh being what they call an angel investor just tell us what is an angel investor michael an angel, an angel investor is an investor that invests in young young companies and there, there are lots of them in in in, in the southeast and they're they're people who have the business ideas, but they're looking for support and help, and that's and, and that's where the the investor come, comes in. Yeah. Now you spent many years building up uh, Merlin and uh, successfully passed it on uh, to Norcross, as I mentioned. In in that uh, you've been investing in a number of companies. Just tell us maybe about some of them uh, that you've done as an angel investor since then. Yeah, I suppose I was. I was lucky enough that um, we, we we had a success in 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 Maryland, and we we I left that business in 2017, and I was looking. I, I wouldn't be one of these people that that would sit sit down all day or maybe go play golf every day. So I was looking at at other ideas, and I I got involved in the southeastern um, um, angel investing and that. So you know, for instance, there's there's one company in in in. Thomastown, a great investor down there, an entrepreneur called uh, Noel Doherty, called ND Sports. And it, it, it's a sports company, and it kind of originated from an injury that Noel had, and now he'd, he would be, he'd, he'd have clients like Scottish Rugby, English Rugby, the All Blacks, Premierships, um, Dublin Footballers, Tipperary Hurlers, all, now, you know, and he is, he his product is one of two in, 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 in the world, and okay, we're biased, but we would say that that, that product now is the best is the best product in the world. So yeah. from humble be- beginnings. Yeah, now obviously you are an investor, so you're looking for a return on investment, but what else do you bring to the to the party, for want of a better word? And, and is your involvement in a business like that just in terms of investing capital, or do you provide other expertise and assistance? Yeah, well, John, John, what I would say is, you know, people always look about investing and that, and it's all about money, where my attitude is that you have a lot of people starting a, starting a business, 
but you know you have to develop uh, the, the people like that into business into business uh, men men and women, and that's a huge part of it. So when when I look at it, is that I I believe that the money is kind of part of it, but the mentoring and the help that you can bring to a company is is probably worth more than the actual money investment. Yeah, and so say like with the company like ND uh, Sports Performance, um, what's the process of a, an investor deciding uh, to come on board? You know, presumably business plans are part of it, but, you know, it's more than just a, a sort of airy-fairy aspirational thing. You you need a, a solid agreement. You do, you, you, you do, but but even on the, on the workings of it, John, is that, you know, if you think of any business, like, and people probably would be starting this in their... In, 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 in the room they spent the last year or two in and coming up with the ideas and that and what I find is discipline is very important because you can have the idea you can be kicking it around and uh, the problem is t- time flies I, I find time flies so so to help these people to have a plan and it's not necessarily just you know okay you got to get the plan to get the, the product to market but then again, you need to have the vision of year two and, and year three also. Okay, well, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Law. I'm talking to Michael Hoyne, entrepreneur and investor. We're talking about Halo Business Angel Network online seminar on angel investing, uh, which is aiming to recruit angel investors. We'll be talking more after the break. Don't go away. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. We're talking about angel investors. I'm joined on the line by Michael Hoyne, who's an entrepreneur and investor. And we're talking about an angel investing showcase, which is taking place on Thursday, 3rd of June, being organised by the Halo Business Angel Network. Michael, quickly tell us, uh, the the angel business or the Halo Business Angel Network is an important framework uh, that supports this whole uh, activity of angel investment in this area yeah you know like people are often wondering they're probably thinking about different businesses and where where actually would i start where who would i go to etc and um and the the, the people down in water in, in the halo care there's uh, aiden, aiden shine and karma code and they're the great people to go in and talk to and they have huge experience and and it's also a government body and and they're out there to help to help the community and people who have the ideas. And it's a great for stop. They're great for for net for networking and they're great contacts. And they and they know the different investors that would be interested in different products. For instance, I'm more of a product person than IT. Like IT, I'd be lost. So I I don't tend to to, to look at at ITs, but. You know, there's different there's different people out there with with with, with different strengths and ideas in the different categories. Yeah. Now, um, just back to the whole relationship thing uh, with between an angel investor and a, a new startup. Um, uh, presumably, that's very important because there is the euros and dollars and pounds aspect of a deal and a business plan and so on. But but the relationship is uh, very important. Absolutely, you know, you 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 actually hear of a, of a lot of cases where people start partnerships and they fall out and, and and for different reasons and that. So chemistry is very important, you know. 
Um, it, and if if like if if I'm the investor, it's very important to me. What what, what I look for is the person first before anything else. He can have the greatest product under the sun, but I, I I look at the person and what, and if they have their the fire in their belly and all of that, uh, I'm up for that. And where where I've been kind of I've been mentoring and supporting the the, the, the person, and at the end of the day, it has to work for everybody. Mm. But I couldn't emphasize enough, John. It's um, it, it, it the chemistry is very important. So so just to have everything signed up and everybody understands exactly what the agreement they're going in for, very important. It sounds uh, like you're very enthusiastic about it. It is a business relationship, uh, ultimately, but it sounds like you get a great kick out of it. Absolutely. You know, like, like uh, I would say on the number that I've invested in, my, my main thing, what I want to do is to help to grow the business because... You know, some people might go along. I'm only interested in in, 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 in in the money in that. Like, if you if you work hard on the business, in the business with 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 the with the entrepreneurs, at the end of the day, the money will come. But it it shouldn't be your goal. Of course, it's important, and 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 I would always look at the exit as well because if you're if you're investing your money, like you're <laughs> you're looking for a for a return, and it's and and it's not a dirty word either. No, absolutely not. Well, look, uh, great talking to you, Michael. Uh, that's Michael Hoyne, who's an entrepreneur and investor based in Kilkenny, but uh, part of the Halo Business Angel Network, which is a Southeast uh, business initiative. And as I said, they're hosting an Angel Investing Southeast Showcase webinar on the afternoon of Thursday, 3rd of June next. And if you are uh, interested, and if that piqued your interest, check out southeastbic.ie or you can contact. Uh, the people in the Southeast Halo Business Angel Network through that. And that's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the bottom line at kclor96fm.com. Don't forget our podcast. You can get it in any of the usual places. And our latest edition of The Bottom Line newsletter will be going out next week. So if you'd like to subscribe to that uh, and have it delivered to your inbox, just register at kclor96fm.com forward slash the bottom line. Thanks to all our guests this week. Garrett Hart, Colin Duggan, Kieran Conroy, Caroline and John Duggan and Michael Hoyne. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show and thank you for listening. Have a great weekend and hopefully we'll speak to you again next Saturday. In the meantime, stay safe, stay connected, stay tuned to KCLR and keep the faith. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie